0: I have known the Chalk guy, Ben Glenn, uh, for almost 20 years. He travels all over the country, and he's an amazing communicator and artist. He additionally uh, has raised $17,000 worth of Lego to give out to Riley Children's Hospital. I believe some of you went out tonight as well, all over the place. He doesn't get anything out of that. That's just him and his daughters have made that their mission the last few Christmases. In fact, tonight he's here to communicate for free. Uh, he just asked that we participate in the Lego Drive, which we always do and are happy to do that. Uh, he communicates all over the country. He's an amazing artist as well. It's going to be great for all ages. Will you get up on your feet, put your hands together, and welcome Ben Glenn, the chalk guy, who's here to share with us tonight. Thanks, Josh.
1: Oh, man, it's good to be with you guys. Welcome. Merry Christmas. It's good to be with you. Man, I tell you, this is a, a great, busy, hectic time of the year, isn't it? You got to stop and enjoy it. Take a breather. Watch out for those paper cuts. I've got three, and they burn. I tell you what. I, uh, I, I love my job, but it, the crazy thing is is that this is my job. It's weird. Th- it's weird. You know, when I was in the third grade, they, they, some teachers said I was special. I thought I was going to Disney World. I was so wrong. They, they d- decided to, go, oh, you turn those down. Let's have, let's have a movie theme. Huh? My ADD medication is worn off. This is just going to distract me. There you go. I, I like just talking in the dark. But that's what happened when they died. When they said I was special, they gave me all these labels. The first label was special, then they just kept on going. They labeled me LD, Learning Disabled, Dyslexic, ADHD, LMNOP, HDTV. (laughs) I got it all. And as much as I I travel around and I joke and I share lots of humor and I love to laugh, when I was a kid, I, I wasn't laughing. You know, with that comes a lot of baggage. And unfortunately, one of the things that came along with that, aside from the struggles academically, which is real, I mean, any of you parents that have kids with ADHD, you know it is real, these struggles. But also what you get along with that is the struggle of a low self-esteem, the struggle of not seeing yourself being worthy or being good enough. And because of that, as a result, one of my greatest fears in life is doing exactly what I'm doing right now. That's why this is a weird job for me. For half my life, my greatest fear was public speaking. You know, they say that that public speaking is the second greatest fear next to death. It's like the old Jerry Seinfeld joke that there's some people that are so afraid of public speaking that if they were at a funeral, they'd rather be in the casket than giving the eulogy. And for me, that was true. And so the weird thing about me academically, my spelling stunk. I thank God for spell check every day. Uh, Academically horrible. Everything that you can imagine, I struggled with. But for some reason, I just connected with art. I was really good at getting dirty. I was really good at flinging the paint. And because of that, and, and, and when I have a lot of time to speak, I love to share how I believe this was part of God's plan for my life, was to travel around and to perform with my art. And so my job for the better part of 20-some years has been to attack a canvas, and all this is is a twin-size flat black bedsheet from Target, stapled to a frame with chalk. It's a weird job. But this is what I've been doing for 25 years. And so when I started, you know, I knew that I couldn't just, you know, get introduced and attack a canvas and run off and not have to talk. And so I begged my older brother. And he was trying to figure out what he wanted to do. And my older brother really is just, he's a gifted communicator. He is hilarious. We don't watch TV around Christmas. We just put my brother in the middle of the room and say, go. And if we really want to have fun, we give him a little sugar first. Go. And so Sammy, Sam was awesome. And so when we first started, it was just my brother and I, and he'd do all the speaking. And when it was my turn, I'd get up and I would draw. But the problem was is that after he'd get, we'd get done, people would get around my brother and ask, what, what's his story? Why does he do this? Why does he do it so fast? What is wrong with him? How come he doesn't talk to anybody? <laughs> and so my brother and I, we sat down one day, and, and my brother challenged me. He said, man, you've you got to get over this. you got to get over it. There's nothing better than when you're faced with a struggle or a fear to have somebody come alongside you and say, let's do this together. Nothing better than that. You know, when you face a struggle or, or, or a fear, it can be so overwhelming, so paralyzing that, it, that, that you do nothing. And, and just the idea of being alone can be so overwhelming that you don't know where to go next. And so when my brother came beside me and said, let's do this together, I'm like, hey, you better not, you better not bail on me, bro. He said, well, let's make it even, let's spice in the deal. You teach me how to do art, and I'll teach you how to speak. And you know what, my brother honored that deal. He honored it. He would critique me, he would challenge me, and when I first got up, my hands would shake when I'd grab, I think my first talk went like, my name's Ben Glenn. I'm gonna draw now. That's my first talk, you guys just heard it. Who knew that would lead to a 20 some odd year career of speaking? And he continues to challenge me, but The deal was I teach him how to do art. Here's the problem. My brother has no artistic skill whatsoever. And yet, I love the fact that he's got no pride about it, and he tries so hard. And he loves art. He just doesn't understand a few things, and so that means he's always calling me up. And he only lives 10 minutes away now, so he's always at my house asking me, Ben, how do I paint an eagle? How do I paint a lion? Ben, how do I paint a tree? How do I paint this? And so about four years ago, he comes over and he says, Ben, how do I paint a heart? I'm like, are you messing with me? I mean, that's the most basic thing ever. You start at the bottom. You make a loop, come down at the top, you swing down, "Ah, be mine. My brother said, no, no, I want to paint a bunch of hearts. And he pulls out a bunch of these little four by four canvases, a bunch of them. He says, you know, I don't know if you've noticed, Ben, but in your shows, but what I've noticed is that people, man, they're burned out. Life is just knocking them down, and they're having a hard time getting back up. A lot of people are forgetting that if you really want to make a difference in life, it starts with heart. you got to have heart, because life is a struggle. And if you're going to keep moving forward, you've got to find the heart and the grit to do that. And so my brother said, let's give him a visual reminder. And so we started painting all these hearts, and he was fine with this. This is just a plain heart uh, color on top of another. But I'm an artist, and this is boring, and no one's going to want this to hang up or to put on their desk or to give away as a gift. And so I said, dude, we've got to add some flair to that. And so I, I, I'd get some complimentary color, I'd get some glitter, and I'd really spice them up really good, make them fun. And so just imagine for a moment, in my kitchen, we've got all of these tarps laid out, 300 of these canvases, and my, youngest, or my oldest daughter walks in Natasha. Tasha. Natasha, she is not like any other kid I've ever met. I expected my kids to be like me, messy, ADD, all over the place. This kid's the opposite. This kid's OCD. She freaks me out because her room is the cleanest room I have ever seen in my life. When she does anything with her handwriting, she does it so well that the teachers write little notes saying, your handwriting's impeccable. I saw that the other day. I go into her room, her sock drawer, all the socks are color-coordinated. That's not normal, okay? If I walk into her room, if I walk into my child's room that I provide for her, she looks at me and says, Dad, don't touch anything. (laughs) So when she goes to school, I attack the sock drawer. (laughs) Here's a little project when you come home. And so my little perfectionist comes and she sees all the fun we're having and she says, Dad, can I paint? Can I paint? I'm like, absolutely. Now my daughter learned very quickly that painting a heart and drawing a heart is different. When you get a pencil, you just, you know, boom, boom, done. But when you get a paint, you got these bristles, which creates some, some control issue. And when you start out, usually you start out doing really well. You make that first stroke, and because that first stroke looks good, you kind of feel like a Picasso, and, and you get a little bit of that, ooh, energy, and you're feeling good. And so when you get ready to make the second half of that heart, you don't even know it. But you're pushing harder on the brush, and the bristles spread out. And without wanting, you make a bigger side to the heart. You make a lopsided heart. If you're OCD and you make a lopsided heart, is that good for you? (laughs) No, that'll drive you nuts. That's the kind of stuff that just picks at you and you got to fix it. And so common sense is, well, I'm going to get a little bit more of that pain. I'm going to go to the small side and I'm going to even it out. But now you're really upset and you got even more adrenaline. So when you go to even out the smaller side, you're pushing even harder and you make an even worse lopsided heart. I'm a horrible parent. As I watched my daughter for 20 minutes struggle trying to make the perfect heart, and she ends up in tears. And she shoves it over to me, and she says, Dad, I'm no good. I'm, I'm terrible. You do it. You're the artist. I quit. But well, we don't quit in my family. I did way too much of that growing up. I teach my kids to persevere, to keep moving forward. And so I told her, I said, Natasha, I'm, let me show you how to do it. Now, of course, when I said I'm going to show you how to do it, you know what she heard? Dad's going to do it for me. score and it was really cute because I pull out a fresh canvas and I'm working on it. And she's coaching me the whole time. She's like, Dad, even that out. If you're not going to do it right, Dad, don't do it at all. I'm like, hey, those lines are reserved for parents only. I get done with almost a completely perfect heart. but Completely centered. And my daughter is thrilled. And so then I go to add the flair. I go to add the fun. And she yells at me. My kid yells at me. She said, "Stop, Dad! What are you doing?" I said, "I'm going to add the good stuff. I'm going to add the fun. I'm going to add the flair." And she said, "No, you're going to make it ugly. You're going to make it ugly." Those of you know, that know me well, you know that I'm always looking for teachable moments with my kids. You know, sometimes just telling your kids to do something or to learn something ain't enough. They got to experience it. And so I had before me a teachable moment, and I looked at my daughter, and I said, Natasha, do you trust me? She said, no. <laughs> Smart kid. Despite my daughter's wishes, I went a little bit beyond the flair, and I made, well, what would most consider a pretty ugly heart, and I did something like this. Looks like a seagull came to visit a few times after a couple chimichangas. And of course, my daughter was mad, and then she struck fear into my heart when she said, I'm telling mom. And I said, hey, before you get me in trouble, before you go get me, you know, put me in the doghouse, let me ask you something, Natty. I know it's ugly. I know it's messy. I know it's undesirable. I know that you don't like it, but can I ask you one question before you go get me in trouble? Same question I'm going to ask you guys tonight. Can you still see the heart? It's messy, though. Can you still see the heart? Sometimes it's in the messiness of life that we experience heart the most. You know, it was a teacher in the ninth grade who told me to snap out of it because I was so bogged down in the messiness of my life. It was the heart of a teacher who said, Ben, you don't have to like being ADD, you don't have to like being special, you don't have to like the struggle, you can hate it all you want, but Ben, if you sit here and you do nothing, you'll never beat this thing. Ben, you got to keep moving forward. And one day, maybe, just maybe, you'll look back and you'll see this as a gift. Now, how messed up is that? You're telling me one day I'm going to look back at all the struggles in my life and see them as a gift? And she said, absolutely. Sometimes in the messiness of life, we experience heart. You know, we put these trees up and we string lights in our house and we eat candy canes and, and we wrap... We, we Presence, but we forget sometimes that the Christmas story is the story of an incredible struggle. They didn't have a Honda Odyssey to drive to Bethlehem. They had a donkey. And they had to travel miles and miles and miles on foot to get there at a specific time. And there was no reservation at a Holiday Inn waiting for them. And when they get there, this small little family with this huge struggle, this child's ready to come. Where are we going to do it? Where are we going to have it? Can you imagine being the dad? Can you imagine trying to figure out what to do? The struggle, the challenge, the birth. And through that struggle, what do we experience? God's heart. You know, the Bible tells us that while we were still sinning, God loved us. And God demonstrates his love in this way that while we were still sinning, he gave us his son as a gift. Jesus is a gift. And I don't know if you guys know anything about gifts, but you know what? They're free. That's a great that's what makes it a gift. If you had to pay for it, if you had to work for it, it's not a gift any longer, it's a paycheck. But the Bible is very crystal clear when it says Jesus is a gift. And so that there would be no mistake, because some people might be wondering, well, who's this gift for? I mean, are there certain parameters that go along with this particular gift? Do you have to be at a a certain economical earning level to to receive this gift? And so that there'd be no mistake, and this is the way, I love this about God. He does stuff like this. He tells the angels, I want you to go tell the, the shepherds. All the guys that are out there watching after the animal. Oh, and By the way, you may not know this, but these shepherds, back in that time, were cons- considered outcasts. That's kind of why they were out there. Yeah, we don't want them guys in town. They're going let's put them out there with the with the sheep and the goats and stuff. Leave them out there. And make sure they stay out there because they smell. And so, what does the angel do? But to appear to the lowliest of low and say, "Hey, hey, hey, hey." Pay hey, attention, guys. I know you're freaked out, but I got, to, I got some news for you. Over there is a gift. And by the way, that gift is for you. The gift is for all mankind. And through this incredible struggle, we experience God's heart. And through the busyness of this time of the year, sometimes we forget that. That it was a story of Perseverance. A story of two individuals continue to keep moving forward, letting God lead them and guide them and mold them in, in so many different, other than just this one day, so many things that we can take from this story to live our life by. But the greatest one to remember right now, this gift? it's for you. I don't know if you've ever seen anybody with ADD rip into a gift, but it's pure entertainment. We get our teeth involved. I mean, at Christmas time, I'm always, my mom's always over there saying, Ben, save the bow. I'm like, ah, the bow's dead. <laughs> but isn't that what we should do with this incredible gift from God? To tear into it and to claim it for our very own? Think about it just for a moment visually before I draw. If there were somebody in your midst right now holding out a perfectly wrapped package and they held it in their hand like this, you'd have two choices. You either say no thank you or you actually have to make a decision to grab that gift and make it your own. It's not going to be forced on you. It's only a decision that you can make. And my hope is that all of us in this room are celebrating the fact that we've claimed that gift for our very own. Because in that gift, you find hope. You find salvation you find Jesus. Let me pray before I draw. God, I thank you for an opportunity to get chalky one more time. Tenth drawing in two weeks. God, and I thank you that when I walk into a restaurant, my hands are stained with chalk. Because God, I know every time I get a chance to draw, it's a reminder for me to know that you are big enough. And what an awesome, epic time in my life it was to claim the gift of your son for my very own. We thank you, Jesus. In these next few moments, I pray that we'd have fun, that our hearts would be open, and that you would lead this time. It's in your name I pray. Amen. Amen.
0: Thank you, Ben, for sharing that. And, you know, as the band comes up, we're going to play one more song together, and we've got a special mealtime planned for you. But I was watching this whole thing take place, and it's funny. I've seen you do so many drawings, and I'm not sure if I've seen this one before, but it might be my favorite. Because these shepherds, that very first Christmas, God could have chosen anyone in the entire world to present himself to. And the first people group... The the angel of the Lord presents himself to, is the shepherds. The people that that Christmas were living outside the city, it felt like no one cared about them. As Ben said, in that society and culture, it felt like they had no one that Christmas. I don't know where you're at. I know in a room this size tonight. I was thinking about Proverbs 3, 5 to 6. It says, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Trust in the Lord with all your heart, but lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he will make your path straight. If you feel like you got no one or nothing this Christmas season, if you're struggling, having a difficult time, if you've put your trust in your job or people who have let you down, if you're going through your first Christmas without your mom or your dad or your grandparents or your child, tonight is for you. The God that created you, the God that loves you, he's right beside you. And when we acknowledge him, he'll be the one we can lean on when we got nothing else in this world. And as someone who has needed to lean on him constantly in my life, who used to be very far from God, that cared about things that I shouldn't have cared about, I know what it's like to feel like you've got nothing and no one, and you've put your trust in other things. But the beautiful gift that Ben just talked about, it's for everyone, not just the elite, not just the social few, it's for everyone. But it takes us responding and receiving that grace, that forgiveness, that gift, and it's completely free. So as we close out our time together, I'm gonna give you the chance to stop wandering around this world and start living under the wonder that God provides for us, that you could receive his gift, his grace, his forgiveness. This Christmas season, 2018, it's for you. So let's respond together. Will you close your eyes with me for just a moment? God, I thank you for all of these people that took time out of their schedules to gather here together. And we got lots of gifts and presents this season, Lord, as we came here at 3 o'clock maybe. We've been here for a couple of hours. And and the people in here, we, we didn't have to walk into this room. We chose to. And we've heard this message. And we get to choose how to respond. So I'm going to make it really simple. If you'd like to receive the free gift of Jesus Christ and his forgiveness and grace to acknowledge him, to put him first, to lean on him this Christmas season, I'm going to invite you with every eye closed to shoot that hand up in just a moment. And I'm going to count to three and then I'm not going to make you do anything, nothing at all. We're just going to pray together. Is that cool? So if you want to trust fully in Jesus Christ this Christmas season, on the count of three, I want you to raise your hand nice and high. One, Jesus loves you. Two, he's not done with you. Three, raise your hand nice and high. I see all of you over here to my right. Oh man, hands up going all across the room, guys. God knows what's going on. I don't need to know. No one else needs to know, but God knows and he loves you right where you're at. and Whatever you're going through, he's not done with you. He's going to help you walk out of this building and go live out his grace for other people in this world. With your hand up for just a moment, you, you keep it nice and high. We just want to find out. We're not going to make you do anything, but we just want to celebrate that together. Okay, now put them down. God, you have seen those people. You know what's going on in their heart. They have said they want to trust in you this Christmas season. And so we ask that you would go before them, Lord, that they would celebrate the greatest gift they've ever been given, free gift of salvation, your grace and forgiveness that we can share eternally in heaven and live with you now. We choose to lean on you this Christmas season to stop wandering and start looking up to your wonder. We love you, Jesus. We give you this time. And we pray this in Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. amen.